It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Harish Goyle, Essel Group Chief Executive Officer of Health and Wellness and Managing Director of the Varia Lifestyle Retreat in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. Harish is a veteran in the media and telecom industry with more than two decades of in-depth understanding related to media, telecom infrastructure, health and wellness, consumer durables, and electronics. He has led multiple new startups, streamlining operations and capitalizing on organizational strategies, thus achieving exponential revenue growth across all industries and global markets from which he's touched. Arish has accomplished multifold increase in business turnover while superseding performance, including planning, executing, and launching of new products and businesses, leading transforming businesses based in the U.S., Asia Pacific, and Africa. And he has a special love and passion for business growth in all of these markets. He is an IIFT alumnia and a Bachelor of Engineering and Electronics from Nagpur University. Harish Goyal, welcome into the corner office. Good morning, Brent. Thank you for having me today. Uh, it's good to have you here. And uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. You have had such an exciting career and worked in so many different industries as uh, we get from your bio and uh, interested to talk about that. Uh, but we always like to start in the beginning. Uh, I know that you're an immigrant and would love to hear about you know your early days growing up in India. Tell us a little bit about your early family life, what mom and dad did, brothers and sisters, that kind of stuff. Uh, thanks, uh, Brent, for uh, uh, starting from the, the, the childhood. Um, I'm born in India, in north of India, near to Himalayas, uh, mm. a, from a small town. Uh, my family is of lawyers, so my dad is uh, a, a, a senior lawyer, and two of my brothers are also lawyers, and wow. then uh, the children of uh, my both brothers are also lawyers. I'm the only one who actually decided <laughs> to <laughs> not go down that path. Huh? Well, too many lawyers in the family is probably not a good thing. <laughs> so I am, but I am a, a you know engineer and uh, MBA, and um, yeah. So actually, you know, the uh, in the small town um, in uh, my early years, it was little, not little. I would say quite different from the modern age. I imagine, yeah. How so? What were some of the key differences? Technology-wise, you know, my village, my town was my town, and you know my maximum reach and thought used to be to go to a you know to a bigger city but until i i was 15 years i never went to a bigger city right um 
and there were not too many choices uh, entertainment was easy um, in 1980s we got the television um, launched in india wow. and uh, before that it used to be the big screen uh, cinemas in terms of uh, food choices it used to be always you know traditional indian food, uh, yeah. food with yeah. very few choices uh, it, and so it was the life was simple i would say and hmm. uh, it the days were as happy as uh, modern days with that simplicity well we didn't know we didn't know at that time right you know in terms of what you grew up with and uh, it sounds as if you had a nice supporting family how many brothers and sisters in total um i have uh, two brothers and one sister two brothers and one sister great and did mom work in the home or did she, was she also professional uh, ladies in those years were the homemakers and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, until i would say uh, 20 years back when things started to, ch- uh, to change a bit right right so you grew up in the uh, indian school system now uh, I, i know it, it's modeled somewhat after the british system given that you were a colony for so many years was was it public and private schools as well you know what what path did you go down during those days so uh, the schools at that time were the public schools but they used mm-hmm. to be run by the the charity funds oh. uh, the private schooling was uh, not uh, existing in the small towns during that time it was okay. not a business schooling yeah. was not a business in those years yeah yeah right got it and did you always uh, intend to go to college was that something that was expected to you particularly with all the lawyers in the family uh it was uh, my dad made it very clear to all of us uh, in the very early years of our life that he is not a businessman if we mm. study we will do well but he won't be able to to support us if we decide to do anything else and we decide not to study well uh, or do well in studies so then you'd be on your own if you didn't do it is that kind of the implication that he expected you to go through um, and get an higher yeah, education yeah it is conveyed that way but then most <laughs> yeah. indian parents uh, take care of their kids uh, kids course. remain kids in their mind always <laughs> well i think that's true with our children too isn't it right you know even yeah. uh, once yeah. once they reach adults and uh, were you a good student in school in those primary and secondary years so the definition of goodness was very different in in my age <laughs> Uh, yeah. the definition of goodness was how well are you st- scoring in the in the class right so, right and that definition used to be always getting you know tougher always uh, once you are among the top 5 y- you have to strive for among top 3 and once you are in top 3 right. you have to strive for number 1 very competitive um, yeah yeah Yeah. What about outside activities? I, I know cricket's uh, a very popular sport <laughs> and and others there. Did you did you partake in sports or, you know, other types of events, speaking events, music, theater? Uh this so you caught it right actually. You know, cricket was uh one thing that uh, I had grown up playing and I still do that. Um that's one and the only thing I You still play. Up. You still play cricket today. I still play cricket. I'm going to India that's next awesome. week to play cricket actually. Oh, fabulous. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, it's a very confusing sport to us Americans because it looks like baseball, but it couldn't be more different. <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah, closest to baseball and we love playing baseball also. 
What about entrepreneurial things? Uh, were there any pursuits that you had as a as a student? I think it's it's a little different in India. If you're really expected to just be a student, right, during those years, or or were there that's things right. that you pursued entrepreneurially? That's right. So until yeah. we graduate or post graduate, so parents support us uh, throughout that journey. So which right, means right. we don't get a opportunity to work during the schooling time or during the college time. So even I, during I, university, yeah, right. Yeah, even uh, yeah. even until I graduated and did engineering, uh, that's only time when my job started. Yeah. And also, yeah. you know, it's different in India with 1.3 billion people. I think, you know, the working uh, class and the uh, student class has been differentiated. Uh, right, right. Still, yeah. it is differentiated differently. So you received an engineering degree, you mentioned, and I think you went on to do your master's. Did you do those back to back or was there yes. some work in between? What, what's kind of the process there? So I did engineering uh, in electronics and then uh, I joined a business, uh, a company, uh, and they sponsored me to, to pursue my MBA um, oh, okay. in yeah. return of, uh, you know, me signing up an agreement to work with them for another three years after post-graduation. Right, right. And what was that company? What was that first job you took coming out of college? My first job was uh, a company called Cosmoferrites, and uh, they used to deal in electronic components. Um, They are still the biggest in India uh, in that particular field. Manufacturer, distributor, both? Uh, They are manufacturers and exporters. Yeah, got it. And you were in a marketing role, I think, right? Isn't that how you got started? I started as a quality control engineer there. Okay. Uh, but then, you know, very fast, they pulled me into um, first application development, wherein I needed to interact with the customer, and then into uh, marketing and eventually in sales. Right, right. You spent a good number of years, or 15, 16 years, I think, right? I was there for 15 years. That was yeah. my longest stint. Yeah, yeah, great. What did you like most about that first job? Did you feel the company gave you, you know, certain foundational things that you took away? Were you having fun, enjoying it? Or was it just kind of the norm? You know, you joined a company and you stayed there. This was actually, you know, my most enjoyed role because, you know, Mm. I was learning a lot um, during those 15 years. No day uh, I came back without learning new thing, and uh, <laughs> I was growing very fast in in that environment. I think Indian economy was doing very well when I started uh, wo- working. And, this is back uh, in the it, back in the nineties, I think, right? Yeah, nineties, nineties, and those were really you know, glorious years, and uh, life was simple. Technology was happening, and I was looking into international markets. So, which means I got a lot of uh, good exposure. I have traveled to hundred plus uh, countries so far. Half of wow. the world I have traveled, wow. and some of the countries I've traveled like hundred times. Yeah, fabulous. And what, what what was the first time you started managing people? Was it in the first row, uh, first job there, first role, yeah. or or did that come a little later? Uh, right after four years, actually, you know, I yeah. once I became a manager, I had a big team to manage, and it was right. a production setup. Um, so. I mean, managing people uh, started very early in, in my life. Yeah. I was fortunate, yeah. I would say that. Yeah. Were you managing people uh, about the same age as you, older, younger? Uh, mostly uh, older than me uh, yeah. because I I started working very... So I was a manager at age of 24. Wow, and, very young. Uh, yeah. Most of people actually used to start working at that age, uh, 20, right. 25. Uh, so I had... Um, 
like 80% of my team was uh, elder to me. Some were double my age that time. Yeah. What were some of the early lessons you learned in those uh, early management years? First was people is the most complex thing. And then once people mm. issue is sorted, anything else is, uh, is uh, easier. Yeah. And second, life has to start from basics always. We don't have to complicate or complex the thought process. Every time there is an issue, we go back to the basics and we found the root cause and the solution mm. in the basics. Yeah. Can you share some examples maybe of those early years where, you know, you had some challenges with regards to, you know, kind of learning those lessons? So there was uh, one time we were trying to develop a product uh, that was used in TGV uh, French trains. Uh, yeah. The, TG, the, was the fast, the fast train, the train, the fast test. trains in, yeah. in France. Yeah. And in uh, France. the, our factory was in, in the foothills of Himalayas. It was uh, on, uh, on the, uh, uh, right up the valley yeah. and we needed to press this big part which was like needed a pressure of 300 ton which from a press wow. which means you know it used to do 300 tons of one and then you know go back and dump again and then uh, someone told me that if we continue doing this maybe this entire building will fall in the valley <laughs> Oh my goodness. Right. Because that kind of pressure between two walls can be difficult. And it was a fairly high elevation, right? You're in the Himalayas. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're in the foothills right. there, right? Right. Oh, and so I happened. was an electronics engineer. So the moment yeah. someone actually, you know, scared you with these things, it remained. I did not sleep that night. <laughs> Next day morning, I <laughs> that to the people. And by that time, I had an order in my hand for uh, delivery. And I spoke to many people most of them continued looking and saying that yes i think we believe that this building will not sustain this pressure if oh you produce so many parts eventually mm-hmm. i spoke to the the you know the senior guy the experience i always sometimes now say that there's no shortcut to experience so that guy had actually you know been in the press uh, for about 15 20 years i asked him one to one um I said, look, you know, do you really think that this thing will, will fall? He, he was a civil engineer. He explained me at that point that, look, you know, there are reinforced walls in it. It is like a dam. This building will never fall. This pressure of 300 tons is nothing compared to what this can sustain. So, yeah. in fact, increase the speed and deliver it faster. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was he was on your staff or someone that had been he was working the manager in that and he was yeah. my boss when i had started but then you know yeah. in four years i had become his boss so i was actually yeah. you know thinking that maybe he won't be happy with that situation sure. but the guy was gentleman i still meet him i'll meet him in two weeks i respect him the most uh-huh. for that one thing that he clarified to me that you know don't yeah. be scared of anything yeah yeah, that's fabulous. That's great. Oh, I love that. So you worked in India for a number of years, I think well into the 2000s, and then went to South Africa of all places. So tell us a little bit about that transition. What what brought you to uh, moving to that continent? So I, you know, I always say that like everyone else, I also resisted change. I never mm. wanted to leave India. And yeah. because I had an international assignment all the time, so I used to travel out of India, come back to India, and you know, six months outside or five months outside, seven months in, in India. Till you know, the current boss and chairman of SL Group, he, he got me in the television business. And um, he 
he is a visionary and uh, uh, you know i i really he's the one i look up to whenever there is any confusion or anything yeah. and uh, he just said that there is a unfilled vision in africa just go there and uh, do it and hmm. i went there uh, lived there and that then was my best assignment outside india i would say yeah tell us about z entertainment because i know you've been working and affiliated with them for for a number of years who who are they what do they do and you know for those of us that that aren't maybe familiar too much with the entertainment media market in india um, what kind Z of entertainment uh, it's a like hollywood in america there is bollywood right. in india so z right, entertainment right. is the <laughs> uh, the first and the the biggest private satellite channel um, okay they're, so they're a broadcaster. Are they a content creator as well? They are broadcaster, content creators. Uh, yeah. Every day, 100 hours of content is created to run 80 television channels uh, wow. in India and outside India. And wow. uh, they have got 1.3 billion uh, viewers globally. Yeah. It's a big setup. And uh, so I managed the Africa business for about five years. And then I managed uh, Asia Pacific along with Africa for uh, another two and a half years. So seven, seven and a half years, I managed that business of Asia Pacific and Africa being yeah. based in South Africa and then in Singapore before coming to America a year and a right. half back, I was in, in Singapore. What attracted you to Z Entertainment in the first, first instance? So I'm, I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. I know. I remember you telling me this, you know, uh, uh, when we spoke, I said, how could you work for a media company and not get engaged with watching TV? I love it. I had an interesting conversation with the chairman, Dr. Chandra, uh, when he met me first uh, for this business. And I told him that, look, I don't watch TV. So I remember his classic answer. He said, I have got a lot of people and a big team and hundred of thousand hours of experience of people having the television experience. So I need someone who can do blue sky thinking and mm. who can run it like a business. Um, and that's how I got into it. And uh, so I eventually became a, a troubleshooter wherein I was you know, always sent to the assignments, which did not make a business case for a number of years. Like South Africa was one business that was you know, not making money and uh, there was a potential so i went there and then eventually from there to asia pacific wherein we had markets like indonesia and um, uh, the the neighboring asian asia pacific countries wherein uh, there was a huge potential that we had wherein we could not only launch channels in in the hindi language but we actually launched channels in uh, in english french uh, bahasa Wow. Uh, and uh, the local languages in every country. Yeah, yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about the the, um, the living time. So, so you literally went from Johannesburg to Singapore, right? Yeah. But, but still, so so did your responsibilities change, or they just became expanded? Because I think you continued to manage Africa's. That's Is that right. correct? So it was yeah. expanded. Yeah. I looked after eighty countries that time. So during pandemic times. Actually, you know, those were the most interesting time in in terms of growing the business because most of people actually, you know, took a, I would say, excuse of that pandemic is there, so we can't do anything. And that's one time I still remember in 2020 when pandemic hit, we we decided to launch a channel in Africa while I was stuck in Singapore. 
my team was based in south africa and i decided right. to launch a channel in ethiopia uh, wow. and we produced that channel content in uh, kenya wow <laughs> so it was such an interesting time as to you know how at different times uh, these uh, you know pandemic was coming it came very early in in uh, singapore uh, right. about a quarter before it came to south africa and about 4 months before it went to india and in kenya it came in uh, about 6 months later from from january 2020 uh, when it started it came in june and we did, we produced this channel in kenya because kenya was still open and they used to actually you know work and people only ask for transportation and the good thing was we could produce the channel in a record time because everyone was sitting at home right or right, not yeah. having much work yeah, and we actually yeah. produced this channel in amharic language which is spoken in ethiopia and we found that there were a lot of people in kenya who were actually you know living in uh, over there and needed some good work right right fabulous take take taking it uh, diversity to your advantage i love it so so uh, close to 7 years i think with z and then made the move to the states and and you know you've only been here i guess a couple of years and you moved during the pandemic from what i gather That's so tell right. us a little bit about that transition so we have uh, this beautiful uh, health and uh, wellness resort called yovan longevity and health resorts in monticello upstate new york and uh, this was closed during pandemic right um, and uh, in september 2020 while i was in singapore chairman called me one day saying that harish look you know there's not a better time to to start and reopen this health resort mm-hmm. and uh, uh, try and be there in america so i was in uh, in singapore that time and embassy us embassy was closed i needed a work permit to travel and fortunately you know you know the things work actually you know pandemic was i always say that pandemic is an excuse embassy was working uscis over here was working and my my work permit was done again very fast and i i managed to reach here uh, quickly it's been one and half year now i'm um, operating from uh, the resort itself And, uh, the resort sounds the resort sounds beautiful. You know, when we spoke a week or two ago. So tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about it. What the, you know, kind of the mission is there, and 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 the beauty of the area you're in. So Yovan, uh, you know, our name is Y O One, uh, but actually, you know, it's spoken as Yovan. Yovan is a Sanskrit word. It means youth, mm. adolescence. Mm. So the thought is that come to Yovan and uh, be youthful. and huh. over here we deal with ayurveda naturopathy acupuncture yogic science and physiotherapy wow. so we you know while there is a people go to hospital not by choice but you know they have no choice left at that time whereas over here to yovan people come by choice so they can avoid getting to the hospital basically yeah, you know it is wellness. human yeah, mind right. human body has been designed uh to live for 120 years and if we do the the things right we speak right we eat right and we keep the lifestyle good uh all of us can actually strive to live for that that years and we see mm-hmm. that some people die younger at 70 80 some live for 100 years some live for 90 years it is all about you know what has been consumed uh mm-hmm. during those 80 years 90 years and we are talking about living 120 years of healthy living I love it. And and um so it's it's as much 
training and development as education as is an experience, right? You have, you have experts there that, you know, talk about nutrition and exercise. Tell us a little bit about how the, the, the retreat works. Right. So first of all, yogic science, every day, uh, morning to evening, there are a number of yoga and meditation classes, mm-hmm. which is, you know, starting from right basic meditation to the sleep yoga and to sound yoga and uh, hatha yoga. Uh, and then, you know, the meditation classes, the morning meditation and the evening uh, twilight meditation classes that actually helps us, first of all, control our, our mind, control our thought process and to uh, to scan our body through our mind instead of getting under a X-ray machine. So it is like, you know, scan as to what is during the yoga classes when I realize if there is any pain in the body, which we mind gets mm. used to living with it and then is you know the uh, curing the body with natural elements curing the body with water with air with air means breathing with fire which means keeping the body warm and Mm. by eating the vegetarian vegan plant-based food um, which is the earth element and the fifth is space or ether element which means you know thinking right uh, Mm. from inside right right now, I, I know that when you joined Z, you didn't watch television. So you know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> do, you do you pursue these, uh, these strategies for your own health and wellness? Uh, so I still don't enjoy watching television, uh, but, <laughs> but I can't avoid consuming content. Technology has changed. And, you know, now we have got a mobile phone in our hands, which is, right. you know, a smartphone. Uh, and a lot of new apps have come up, which anyway, I have to consume content uh, through the WhatsApp groups because there are friends who are connected, families who are connected, and uh, uh, they keep sharing some small bits and pieces. So which means, you know, I I can't sit in front of TV for one hour and watch TV, but I I don't mind consuming two minutes, three minutes, short bite content. Um, But I don't uh, sit on Amazon or uh, Netflix uh, <laughs> well, what about what about the yoga and the wellness and the eating and the mind? You know those five different areas. Are you pursuing those too? Do you do you that consume? Is, yes, very yeah. much. I yeah. I do uh, uh, do meditation and yoga daily, mm-hmm. and uh, I am a vegetarian uh, right from beginning. So, which means right. you know I love this fact that you know we have got a very healthy vegetarian um, food. And, uh, um, of course, you know, curing the body from these natural elements is my favorite. I, um, until now I'm, I'm safe from COVID and, uh, uh, I attribute it most to the, the fact that I do the steam bath, uh, every day, two times. Mm, and I right, still believe right. that maybe, you know, that is one thing which is keeping me away from the, the COVID or cough or cold and those things. You're expunging your body of all those, uh nasty uh, viruses and things bacteria that's floating around and of course catskill mountains has the pure water and the air yeah and yeah thing, you know, it is the so so of, how, how many employees are, are there at the resort we have uh, 100 plus uh, people that right. work over here um, and how many guests can you have at one time uh, we had just had a new year party with uh, 270 guests uh, wow. We wow. don't crowd the property much, um, yeah. 
so at an average you know we try to have like 150 to 170 guests uh, in the building is it about 70 75 rooms something like that or what's we are that? having 131 rooms 131 rooms. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I promised you I will come and visit. So I have to find a time in my schedule to come and do it. But it just sounds fascinating. And uh, one of my daughters. Welcome, Brent. I look forward <laughs> to having you here. <laughs> one of my daughters, I think, is one who would join me as well. She's been a vegan since she's been 12 and uh, very much into yoga and, you know, treating herself right and thinking right and uh, purely aligned with uh, your principles. She so. Love it. Well, tell me then, so, so do you, do you actively market to that particular segment or is it a welcoming, you know, of course, a larger market of those of us that may not, you know, pursue those things on a regular basis? How, how do you, uh, you know, kind of integrate yourself with that marketing program here? So there are three ways that we are doing the marketing. One is we actually are, uh, our marketing campaigns are concentrating on New York State, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, because all mm. these are two hours, two and a half hours yeah. drive from, yeah. from us. Um, right. That's one. Second is, of course, you know, promoting on the OTAs uh, like uh, Booking.com and Expedia and all, all these, so they can send the guest over here. and. Right. Uh, third is we specifically market in the you know to the yoga lovers or the people who are actually in this specific field and they organize retreats over here that's the third right, segment right. that we, we cater to yeah fabulous and of course locally we encourage people who are in 50 miles to, to come and spend a day with us which means yeah, they, they right. need not spend a night over here but they can uh, get the treatment therapies. In the programs yeah yeah eat in the restaurants and yeah. so forth. I love and it. Consult counselors wherein one can actually, you know, tell yeah. what is our body composition in terms of the natural elements of fire, earth, and uh, water. Right, right. Fabulous. How, how has the adjustment been from a management standpoint? Because, you know, your whole career has been Asia, South Asia. Um, and, you know, we, we, we do things differently here. <laughs> how, how has that been from an adjustment standpoint? A bit of customization and adaptation is required because uh, right. there are different, uh, little bit different culture on in terms of uh, working uh, wise over there. But then uh, human element is as complex anywhere and sure. as easy uh, once you have uh, once you have actually understood as to how do they work. Uh, so it is basically acceptance. Once the acceptance is there on both sides. Uh, things but become much easier and there's no other choice uh, any of us have i have yeah, to manage yeah. this business and which means i have to quickly adapt to the environment and then uh, get on to to deliver the results as long as business is growing and uh, uh, you know people are growing uh, it becomes much easier for, on for everyone right. all the stakeholders right. to to do well would you say that your leadership style has, has been changed a bit or adapted a bit since you've been here? And if so, how? Definitely. it. Some things have to change. First of all, you know, one big change is I never used to think in terms of hours. Mm. Employees were employees and we used to always think that, okay, if someone is working, we never counted hours. And over mm. here, I realized that, you know, it every everything works by the hour, by the minute. Employees get paid by hour. Employees get paid every week instead of yeah. uh, paying them every month. So right. those few right. things actually were very significantly different. And um, uh, it's good that, you know, I, I uh, really experienced it. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, how do you make the decision, particularly from a management standpoint, when to, you know, kind of micromanage folks or or kind of stay out of their sandbox and let them do their own thing? So depending on the situation, some of the areas which are neglected and don't get the attention of uh, the team and the managers, I do personally get into it and uh, at time I have to micromanage it till it mm. becomes in the attention of uh, the team. Right. And those right. uh, which are actually, you know, stable and doing well, actually it is best left to the, the supervisors and managers and let them uh, manage it. And they come to me only if there is any decision which they think needs my, my attention or my involvement. Right, right, right. cool. What, what do you think is most kind of unusual or unique about the, the company culture there? Over here, everything is, uh, it in, involves or revolves around the health, yeah. around the wellness. So it is actually, you know, one uh, business wherein people are not sitting on computer. It's a unique hundred uh, plus employees. Uh, and other than I think two people or three people, 95% of the staff is actually, you know, not really um, having the electronics. Uh, that they right. do every day. So that is yeah. something very, very different very compared different, to all my yeah. other assignments. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And and uh, has that been an adaption for you too in terms of, you know, kind of how you communicate? I suppose there's a lot more of, of the walking around, right? And and checking in on people and seeing how they're doing. Is that is that how you do it differently given that they're not connected to the electronics and on their computer as you would mostly have? employees at your past so mostly you know we have a a 15 20 minute uh, standing meeting in the morning okay yeah wherein uh, supervisors or the managers uh, we speak to each other and then uh, uh, it's not that we don't have the electronics with us or we don't have computers or we don't have mobiles or the walkie-talkies we have all uh, yeah. so if need be we do connect we do uh, send right. text or sms or uh, whatsapp uh, messages to each other and uh, get the things sorted because a yeah. lot of uh, my my staff also is not everyone uh, based in resort some people are in uh, new jersey and new york right 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 yeah so you reach out to them what you know you've been obviously doing some hiring and, and relaunching of course as we've come out of the pandemic what, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire so first of all we actually uh, look for employing uh, the staff who has a you know kind of mind of serving the human human mind mankind mm. that yeah. is the yeah. the one criteria that we always look for um, you know so we are not really going after a lot of qualification or what the you know the person has done in the uh, in the previous assignments we always actually you know ask one basic question from the candidate that will you love doing this yeah or, right or you know we always say okay you know you have not done it before because there's no other health resort you may have worked or there are not too many health resorts we have uh, in this part um, so but are you happy to learn and mm. do you have that ability and mindset to to make sure that the guest and people you are dealing with are happier when interacting with you yeah, yeah, love that, love that. Do you have a special uh, question that you like to ask 
to kind of get at that? Because, you know, it's easy for people to say yes or no, I do that. But, you know, how do you kind of dig under the surface to really see if they're genuine with regards to that uh, particular, uh, you know, commitment? Most of the time, actually, you know, I, I always say that it's as much as a risk of involved in uh, employing or hiring a person as much as the person has. So the risk lies on both ends. And very true. Yeah. Our risk taking ability is uh, high. Uh, I believe on the other hand, individuals risk taking ability is not always so high. Right, right. So, right. Uh, you know, I always say that, look, you know, you are answering this for yourself and you are working as much as for me, but you are working for yourself and for, uh, you know, managing your family. So be very sure that you want to take it if you say yes under pressure today and after right. one week you actually you know don't enjoy it then probably you know it won't be a a good association good fit for you yeah yeah um, because good. you know i enjoy my work i have worked in different industries i started as a you know technologist from the engineering background in electronics then to the marketing international business of consumer durables then to the infrastructure business television and then uh, media and now health and wellness running a resort so these are very different but the fact right. that i enjoy working and learning actually you know every day when people throw a challenge or say that look you know this is an issue i love learning it and i enjoy mm. my work my work is not yeah. a burden on me my work is you know when i go to bed i don't take more than five minutes to sleep because i <laughs> know that i have given my best during the day and i'm yeah. tired enough to now take rest right I love it. Well, listen, Harish, we're almost out of time. It's been a very enjoyable conversation, but we always have one last question we ask all our CEO guests, and that's what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone that maybe has their eyes on the corner office or you know, looking at uh, becoming a, a leader in their own respective industry? What would you, what would you guide them with? First, and you know, the only thing I always say is that believe in yourself. People mm. won't believe you but you must believe in yourself. If I, if you have a faith in yourself, I have faith in myself, we will do well. It's only when we are doubtful that we are not confident. And of course, the you know, there is earlier I said there is no shortcut to experience. But sometimes I say that, yes, there is a shortcut to experience. Work with experienced people. Work with, mm. you know, there's, there's always if I have, I need an advice, I go to my chairman who has actually, you know, 25 years more experience than me. And the wisdom I get from him uh, whenever I'm confused is uh, is immense. Or, or the manager that uh, was on the Himalayan um, <laughs> building, right? You went to the most experienced guy to find out whether or not you'd have a problem. Perfect example. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Actually, you know, some, sometimes we always uh, take the, the issue. As I said, you know, it's solution always lies in the basic. It doesn't lie in the complex thought process. Right, right. Fantastic. Well, this has been a very enjoyable conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Harish Goyal, CEO and Managing Director of Real Lifestyle, part of the Yesel Group. Thank you for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you so much, Brent, for having me. And I enjoyed as much as in, you know, speaking to you as, uh, you know, uh, as I, I hear from you. Thank you. Hope to see you there soon. <laughs> see you soon. Thank you so much. Good day. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.